This is Dr. Erica, and I am back with a special bonus episode of the hit podcast, Better with Dr. Erica. And you know, and I know that season three is over, but that doesn't mean that there are no more podcast episodes. I'm here with a bonus episode, and who doesn't like a bonus? Now, conversations around suicide and mental health have been sparked by the recent tragic death of Stephen Twitch Boss, and I've struggled with what to write in a social media post because I've seen so many posts and I've struggled with what do I write and I ended up deciding that I'm just going to talk about it on a podcast. So we're going to talk about suicide some today, but we're also going to talk about the fact that the end of the year is fast approaching. So I'm going to discuss how you can improve your mental health for 2023 because you simply deserve it. I know you give and give and give and this is my opportunity to pour into you. So don't worry, this is not going to be an entire episode of doom and gloom. We're also going to talk about what you can actually do to actually have great mental health. Now you might be wondering what questions are we going to answer and I'm about to tell you that right now. Number one, is suicide increasing? Number two, what can you do to help decrease suicide? Number three, how can you support improving mental health? And the fourth one is what are some strategies to improve your mental health for the new year? Now, it's just the two of us today, so we are doing quality time, and I just can't wait. So you know what? Let's get to the episode. Better with Dr. Erica. Well, hey, it's Dr. Erica, and I'm back. It's time for us to actually have the episode. You already listened to the intro, so you know what's coming. And as I said before, just hang in there. We're going to start off talking about suicide. Then we're going to transition into talking about some things that you can do to help prevent suicide and to increase mental health and to support the mental health of your loved ones in the community. But then we're going to transition into something that's going to feel probably even more uplifting about talking about how we can improve your mental health and along with that, your quality of life. So I want you to hang in there, lean in. You're going to want to stay here for the whole entire episode But don't worry, it is not going to be doom and gloom. I wanted to get that out. I just need to get that out. The other thing is, you know me. I'm your host, Dr. Erica, Harvard-trained double board psychiatrist and integrative lifestyle coach. I am on a mission and am irrationally passionate about helping you be better, do better, and live better. I do that through my adult telepsychiatry, my books including Fix Your Fairy Tale, A Woman's Guide to a Great Life, Love, and Legacy, my podcast, which you are listening to now, Better with Dr. Erica, and my speaking. I do all of this to help busy people like you that give and give and give and you show up for your friends, you show up for your family, you show up for work, you show up for your community. You often don't show up for yourself. So I do all of this to put you back in your life. Now we talked about it. I am a Harvard trained psychiatrist. This podcast is just for informational purposes only. This is not my attempt to be your psychiatrist. You know, if I'm your psychiatrist, you know, if you are writing checks to me and seeing me in a portal. Otherwise, you know, this is simply for educational purposes only. So I just want you to know that. 
So as I said before, I'm just so excited about doing quality time with y'all today. You know that my number one love language is quality time. So you are actually pouring into me by being here with me on this podcast. Now the holidays are in full swing. You know, this is a bonus, so it doesn't have to be, the information's timeless, but I will let you know I am recording from St. Louis, Missouri. And I feel like this is one of those Tim Gunn make it work moments because I wish you could see where I am. I'm in my mom's office, which is also a craft room. And any of you that have had these old school craft rooms know I might get attacked by some crafts or some books or a sewing machine at any moment. So if you hear me scream, that just means all the stuff in here has come to get me and is protesting because I'm in here instead of my mom. And mom, please forgive me for um, calling out how there is some of everything in the world in this craft. There are even swatches in here, y'all. There are swatches. So I am broadcasting. I'm home for the holidays. I was blessed and lucky enough to get out in between all of these storms. And to make it. And one of the things that's interesting is, you know, I I told you all before, I spend a lot of time in Massachusetts. I typically winter in Massachusetts, but I'm not this year because I've been working from home. So I've been wintering in Atlanta, Georgia, which is much more moderate than um, wintering in Massachusetts. But I arrived here and the temperature was less. I don't know if it was zero or less than zero when I landed, Um, By the time I was here for about five hours, it finally made it to one degree. And the wind chill, when I looked later on, was negative 17. So I'm happy to be somewhere warm. I'm happy to be home. And I'm sending some love out to all of you all over this holiday season, because I know for some people, holidays are great and some holidays are challenging. Um, this year it's kind of interesting. I love the holidays. I'm kind of, if you had to say who is my spirit animal, because this episode, you're going to get a little bit more of me because I haven't talked about myself in a while. And some of you may not know me as well. So you're going to get some fun facts. Fun fact number one, I love Christmas. My spirit animal is Buddy the Elf. I've realized that everyone I'm around this year, no one, (laughs) no one is into Christmas like me that I have been around this year, this particular holiday season. So I actually was watching Christmas movies yesterday, did a whole Christmas movie marathon and did the last two by myself. My mother said uncle and went to bed. And then she got up this morning, turned on the news and said she was over Christmas movies. So guess who has been walking around with her AirPods in listening to Christmas music? That would be me, but I love Christmas and I'm so excited to be home for the holiday and bless that I have so many great memories around it. And that's what I got to say about that. But part of the reason we're doing this episode is this season is not always easy for everyone. It's not always good for everyone. Some people it is filled with grief, pain, sorrow, or even stress. So I feel like this episode is coming at the perfect time. And we're just going to hope and pray and say lots of lots of sweet nothings. <laughs> not really sweet nothings. But say lots of good things to my editor. And hopefully we can turn this around for you really quickly. So we are talking about the fact that we're in the full swing of the holidays and something that happened right before the holiday season was there was one particular event that has just taken over my timeline on all social media. And that's the tragic death of Stephen Twitch boss. I got introduced to him because I was an avid. So you think you can dance watcher. Don't ask me how I feel about this last season, but previously I watched it religiously. I watched it all the time. So I had been a fan of his since I saw him on that show and I follow him on social media. 
see all the cute dances of him and Allison and his kids and all that stuff. And when my timeline was taken over by his tragic um, death and um, reports that he had died by suicide, I, like the rest of the world, was shocked. And it was difficult to process. And for me, it was difficult to process, not simply because he had such an infectious spirit and resonated joy and love. And I think that was one of the things that made it difficult for a lot of people to process was because he looked so joyful and spread so much joy of seeing how someone can end up in that position. I have to say, as a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, I can't get caught up in how people appear in public, especially on social media, because I've seen so much pain that for me, yes, it was a surprise, but I'm not going to sit and make assumptions of what his life was like behind what was in social media or what he was thinking, because I just don't know. I wasn't his psychiatrist. I'm not his best friend. I don't know any of the facts. So I don't really have any data on that. But I can speak to why it's been such a challenge for me to figure out what to do, because especially with the type of work I do, you know, we, we all try to provide some level of, of education and knowledge around mental health, because one of the things I want to do is help all of you improve your mental health because it just makes such a big difference in your quality of life and it can impact your length of life, not because simply people sometimes die by suicide, but also your mental health can impact your physical health and make you in a better position to actually live and not get sick with something else and die. So it's really important to me, but I realized one of the reasons it was hard to process is Years ago, I remember getting a call. I was at work. As you know, I do a lot of contract work. I was at a clinic and I received a call from my mom and she had said that my cousin had tried to take her life and it was really serious. And I remember slowly walking into the office where my boss was and telling them I needed to go home. And anybody that knows me and knows kind of how my family rolls, both sides of my family are very, very close. They're all very close. And in my mind, I knew I was leaving either. Either y'all going to say you're cool with me leaving or I have walked off this job just because there are certain times I was brought up with the value of there are times where you just need to be present. You just have to be there. You just have to show up. And that's how my family is. My family is full of people that show up and that's a blessing in itself. So I remember walking into the office and telling them at this time, I was actually working in Missouri, but I was working three and a half hours away from St. Louis. And they were, they were so kind and so gracious and just said, go with, without any specific expectation of when it would be back. They were so kind. And this is one of the reasons I think it's so important. Relationships matter. Relationships everywhere matter. And relationships at work matter. I've been giving high quality work. They knew I wouldn't just be trying to get out of work so that when I needed some grace to be able to handle something like this, they were very, very kind. And I remember hopping in my car and just driving and driving and driving and not really knowing what I was going to walk upon. And any of you out there that have gotten those kinds of calls, those calls are so scary um, I, I was blessed that when I arrived at the hospital, well, my whole family was already there. Um, 
ironically, even though I've worked in emergency situations, honestly, I feel like my family has the most family I've ever seen show up anywhere. Someone goes to the hospital, it's on a mental health unit, the whole world is there. Someone's in the ER for something, the whole world is there. They just show up in mass in ways that I feel like we take over waiting rooms. But I remember showing up and finding out what had actually happened. And I'm, I'm not going to put people's business in the street, but it was a lethal level overdose. And what the, you may hear a term that we use in mental health and, you know, sometimes people will say something was a lethal level attempt. That just means like it was something that potentially someone could die from. Because there are sometimes where people may attempt to end their life and they did something that is it's still important to know they did it. It still means that they could be in serious trouble, serious danger, and are at high levels of risk. But there are things that you're not going to die from. You're not going to die from three pills of Benadryl. It's not going to happen. So I got this call. And we're going to fast forward a little bit. Um, As I remember, there was a period of time, and this happens for a lot of us, especially that are doctors. So you're going to get a brief window into doctor world where you're someplace and you become the liaison of the medical team. And my cousin was um, in, I believe, the intensive care unit, um, or it was the step down. It was one of the higher level units in the doctor came back and was like, they told me about my um, family member's EEG. And it was one for all you out there, an EEG is the brainwave test. And the test came back and it basically looked the way when someone is about to die. And they tell me to tell my family. Now, one thing out there is it's always tough when you end up having to give the bad news. I'm like, dude, this person was paid to give the bad news, but I end up giving the bad news. Um, And I just remember sitting there like, how am I going to tell my family this? And I did. And the the end of the story is the the blessing in the story was it was not it was not my family member's time. It was not their time. Um, With my medical knowledge, I know there's no way. There's no way typically they would still be alive, but it, it 100% was not their time. And despite everything that happened, they had no long-term medical issues from that, which is another blessing. Um, but uh, all of this to say is I know what it's like to get that call in to show up. I know what it's like to get the text message or the call from someone saying they don't want to live anymore. And it's scary. And that for me was probably one of the reasons it was difficult for me to write some social media post about suicide awareness and how difficult death by suicide is and and how to support people and dealing with these kinds of tragedies or what to do. And one of the things that I think is difficult is there's so much emotions that are wrapped up in that between the surprise, the guilt, um, people typically are thinking about what, what they could have done, what they should have done, what they should have seen, what they didn't see, how they couldn't, how they didn't stop it. And all of those kinds of emotions and, and not understanding the thought behind it. And for me, these are the words I would give to you. The first is 
part of the reason myself and some other mental health professionals are doing this kind of work and talking to people beyond our patients is so that you have the knowledge so that you can be a part of the mental health solutions. Because one thing that is obvious out there is we have some serious workforce issues and everybody doesn't have access to one of us. And then there are a lot of people that don't feel comfortable getting treatment, don't even know they need treatment. So as I had a conversation on a past episode with um, Andrea Nakayama about helping empower people so that all of us as a community can be part of the solution. And part of the reason I want to have this conversation is to empower you to help you not feel so powerless and help you be part of the solution by giving you some strategies to help and support those around you, but also give the strategies of how you can improve your own mental health for a couple of reasons. One is you improve your mental health, you feel better, you have a better quality of life, and that's one more person that's doing better. The next is the better your mental health is, the better your capacity is to be able to support those around you. If you are totally drained and empty, you cannot support others. So that's what we are doing today. So I do want to send some love out to Twitch's family and his loved ones and the people that cared about him um, because I I don't even want to try to imagine what that feels like. But I want to encourage all of you out there as the midst of the social media posts are going is to start learning about mental health and how to improve mental health. I feel like that's the gift you can give to yourself and to those that you love around you. So one of the posts I used to see so much or I saw so much was kind of like this is happening out of the blue. Why is it happening all of a sudden? And why does it seem like all of a sudden, you know, back to those myths that black people don't die by suicide? And if you haven't seen the cover or the light was bright or you just don't know me. Um, I grew up in a family that is multicultural, but yes, I am a black woman. So yes, I hear about the black stuff. So one of the reasons all of this is important is, um, and one thing to know about statistics if you don't work with them, is sometimes you're, you always hear about them. They're rarely the year you're in because they have to be collected and processed and then published. So one in five adults experienced mental illness in 2020. We all know that between 2020 and even now, people have become more stressed because it's just been a very difficult um, season between the pandemic, racial injustice, people dealing with the significant economic impacts of the pandemic, and just adulting is difficult. Along with the fact that there's been so much grief beyond just regular death, we've lost a significant part of the community to COVID. Um then the average delay between onset of mental illness symptoms and treatment is 11 years. So that just means that a lot of people that have mental health challenges will be struggling for a long time before they actually get treatment. And that's one of the things that hurts my heart is that you can't get time back. So if you're struggling and feeling horrible, that we can't get a do-over of time. So one of the things that hurts me, it's not personal, it's just part of how the system is is when people are struggling with something that we could have treated or helped them with, and then they have all this time lost. Sometimes they've lost jobs. They have had difficulties, relationships. They're strained. They aren't close to their family anymore. They're divorced. All these things are happening. 
and we could have helped. Um, the next is suicide is the second leading cause of death among people aged 10 to 34 in the United States. Second. Isn't that scary? Um, and it's the 12th leading cause of death overall in the U.S. You might be like, well, how is it second in that age and 12? There are a lot of different ages, so that age stratification can change that number. The highest suicide rates um, in the U.S. are among white males followed by Native American males and black males which isn't surprising due to the fact that death by suicide is more common in men than women. And one of the reasons that we're hearing about this a lot more is the advent of social media, along with people feeling a little bit more comfortable talking about mental health and there being a little bit less stigma, not no stigma, less stigma, that there's one Suicide death in the United States every 11 and a half minutes, and that's way too often. And then between 2014 and 2019, the rates of suicide among Black people in the United States increased by 30%. So to answer part of the questions that are coming up, yes, it is happening more in the Black community. The numbers have substantially gone up really in young young people, young black people. But one of the things to keep in mind is it's not that it increased and it wasn't here. It was here before people just weren't, weren't talking about it. So now that we've talked about part of the reasons it's important other than it's happening. And one of the reasons I think it's important to at least acknowledge it is since I said, we're given a little quality time especially because I want you all to be able to be better, do better, and live better, is that I always remember something I wrote in my personal statement for fellowship. No, actually, no, it was for residency. So if you all don't know, um, a lot of medical specialties will do our general training in a residency, and then we do specialty training. It's a fellowship. So for me, I did four years of postgraduate training in general psychiatry which is skewed towards adult. And then I did two years of subspecialty training in child and adolescent psychiatry. And in that personal statement for residency, I remember writing in it about how it was important to do mental health checkups and to stay on top of your mental health like you do your physical health. And Part of that was there was this book. It was a book I ended up quoting. It was by Nathan McCall called Makes Me Want to Holler. Great book. I still recommend it. Um, I now think about when it came out. I guess it's an oldie but a goodie. Um, but part of the reason I want to have this part of the conversation is that these things aren't new. We're just in a place where we are talking about them more. Now, the great thing about talking about them more is people are feeling more open to be able to reach out. And it also is able to form a sense of community that people don't feel alone when they are dealing with these types of challenges. But at the end of the day, the question is, what can you do about it? Because 
there are some things it's like, it's out there, it sucks. And I don't want you to feel like you turned into this podcast and I just basically sat and talked to you about how much suicide sucks. Cause we all know it sucks. You didn't need Dr. Erica to tell you that it sucks. You didn't need that. You knew that on your own. What Dr. Erica can tell you are what are some things that you can be a part of suicide prevention. That's what you need from Dr. Erica. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Do you feel like you have a million things to do and by the time you're finished, you don't have to work out, eat healthy, or even have a life? Do you feel that everything you accomplish is ignored by your family because the only thing that matters to them is when are you going to get married? Do you feel like you failed because you didn't get that dream of the husband, kids, and white picket fence? Well, in Fix Your Fairy Tale, A Woman's Guide to a Great Life, Love, and Legacy, Dr. Erica Goodwin lays out a blueprint of how to find fulfillment in your life, even when that fairy tale of get your education, be a good girl, and the husband and kids will come, doesn't come true. With advice on topics ranging from finding a tribe, to setting boundaries, and to seeking help when you need it, you'll learn how, with positive energy and action, it is possible to thrive no matter where you end up in life. It's time to put you back in your life and fix your fairy tale. Get your copy of this best-selling book at fixyourfairytalebook.com. That's fixyourfairytalebook.com. Better with Dr. Erica. We're not going to talk about these super sophisticated, you need to go to a million courses. You know, I, I'm a big fan of mental health first aid, but we're not going to talk about solutions that are really complicated. I want to talk about a couple of very simple things that anybody can do that are going to make this better. The first part is being part of shifting the narrative to an attitude of protection and prevention when it comes to mental health instead of this culture of avoidance or waiting until there's a crisis. Then dealing with mental health when it's a crisis, when people are thinking about dying or they're hearing things everywhere or they're super paranoid or they can't go to work or they're going to jail because they got arrested um, because they were doing badly or they have some humongous substance abuse issue from underlying trauma or there are just a million things that happen in crisis. And I just don't want a situation where we're in that space that we deal with mental health when it's a crisis. So the first part is just being a part of this shift to making it part of the conversation and part of everyday wellness, not a specialty thing that we just deal with when things are terrible. And going back to one of the myths that happens, especially in the black community, is this myth that, you know, mental health treatments for white people, mental health is white people, black people just may find a way. We don't. Let's be real. We don't. So it's mental health, mental health treatment and being cognizant of your mental health and doing things every day to improve your mental health that don't simply just include seeing someone trained like me is something that everybody needs to do, no matter what your race, culture, ethnicity, gender identification is. It's something everyone needs to do. So you hear me or you are hearing me 
that you don't need to feel that you are a hot mess or the person you're concerned about is a total hot mess to actually see someone. Life is stressful and there's a value in having a safe space to talk. Even if things are okay, things don't have to be terrible or they could be a little bit stressful or they could be a mess, but there is value in that safe space that is held specifically for you. Because one of the things I've seen so often right now is because so many people are struggling, the people you would generally talk to about how you're feeling are on the struggle bus. And what happens when they're on the struggle bus? You're on the struggle bus too. You don't want to talk to them because you don't want to bother them. You don't want to stress them out. You don't want to add one thing to your plate. The thing is, if you're seeing one of us, like you're seeing me, I'm a psychiatrist and I do do therapy. So let's, let's get rid of that myth. All psychiatrists don't just give people a bunch of pills. That's a myth is that it's our job to hold space for you. It's our job not to judge you. It's our job to be there and stand in the gap for you. And who doesn't want someone that is team 100% you holding space for you, not judging you and helping you? Who doesn't want that? Who can't benefit from that? And I want people to start learning that it's okay. You don't have to wait until you're having thoughts of hurting yourself or someone else or you can't you know, you're hearing things, you're paranoid. You don't have to wait till that happens to see one of us. And the other thing is that when we hold that space for you, we're giving space to assist with navigating. Also, what happens when you're in transitions or you're in these major identity life stages where you're looking at identity, you're looking at productivity, you're looking at the meaning of your life, you're looking at your legacy, you're looking at Where are you now versus where you thought you'd be 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago? And we can help with that. So I I just want to put it out there as being part of this narrative that mental health support is for everybody. It's for everybody. The next thing is, is to ask that next question. How many times have someone asked you how you're feeling and you said, cool, or okay, I'm good. I'm fine. And you weren't fine or you weren't okay. We all can admit that there is a social habit that we have of those questions feeling like a courtesy. So someone asks you, hey, how you doing? And the obligatory answer is I'm fine. I'm good. I'm okay. And I want to encourage you to ask the next question. Because one of the things I see happen, not just in my personal life, but this happens when I'm seeing patients. Hey, how are you doing today? How's it been? Oh, I'm fine. So have you been feeling sad lately? Well, I've been feeling sad, depressed, and anxious all the time. How often? All the time? Does it come and go? No, it's there all the time. But if I would have stopped at the first question, the first question was like, I'm fine. And I can't I can't count many times. The first answer is I'm fine. And then you're like, well, how are things going at school? Oh, I'm failing all my classes. How are you getting along with people? Oh, I'm not getting along with anybody. Or I'm staying in bed all the time. Or I'm I'm drinking five drinks a night to go to sleep. Or I'm smoking weed every day because it's the only thing that makes me feel better. But a lot of times the answer to the first or you, that first question is I'm fine. I'm okay. I believe now it's just a reflex for people to say they're fine. They're okay. It's a reflex in people don't always feel like people really care and want to know the real answer. So we have to be part of changing that narrative. I always think of when I talk about this, there was an episode of Being Mary Jane where Gabrielle Union's character, Mary Jane, 
was speaking at the funeral of a good friend of hers that had died by suicide. And she talked about the importance of asking how you're doing and, and really meaning it. And I really feel like the, the important thing here is asking that next question, but it's not just asking, it's the intention behind it. If you are asking it from a place of genuine curiosity and genuine concern, then people will feel that. So it has to come from a genuine place when you ask that next question. How are you really doing? How have you really been feeling? How are you dealing with the loss of your family member and it's the holiday season? It's asking that next question and not just stopping with the okay. Part of the reason you can ask these things is, number one, it lets people know you care. Also, it gives them an opportunity to feel like you are giving them permission to actually tell you how they're really doing. The next thing is also when we ask these questions, and even if you're concerned someone's thinking about harming themselves, it has been scientifically proven asking if someone thinks about harming themselves does not cause them to have more thoughts of harming themselves or does not prompt them to have those thoughts. So it's okay to ask those questions. But, you know, I think it's important to ask more than how are you? Because if someone isn't okay, you don't have to be a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a trained mental health provider to actually help. Being present makes a difference. People knowing that you really care and are going to be there for them. And you can do simple things such as calling and checking on them, coming to visit them, being with them, or even helping make phone calls for them to get help. Because we all know that it's a little bit of a challenge sometimes finding a mental health provider or even sometimes reaching out to crisis and being there and sometimes helping with these phone calls. One thing that makes it really streamlined now is with the the entrance of 988. It's the equivalent now of the National Suicide Helpline. And you can call 988 or text 988 or search it on the web and then you can actually chat in it. it there's even an opportunity to use WhatsApp. But it becomes a little bit more streamlined. And that doesn't mean necessarily someone's going straight to the hospital or immediately getting locked up. There are a lot of times I even deal with people that have thoughts and they're not all going to the hospital. They're not all getting committed. Um, you can also look for local crisis lines. Just put your county in crisis line in your um, into a search engine and it'll pop it up or you can go to the ER. But there are a variety of things available, especially if it's a crisis. And I want you to know what to do so that even if you have someone you care about or it's you, that you have some resources. So the main things we said was be a part of the conversation, be a part of changing the culture to using this as improving your mental health or protecting your mental health before it's a crisis, asking more than how are you doing, asking the next questions, and then being present and being there for support if someone is not okay, even with supporting them with getting help, calling phone numbers, calling to get someone to see, or even calling a crisis line or 988. So we've talked about suicide. We've talked about changing the narrative of how to approach mental health. We've talked about how to support others and all these resources you can also use for yourself. But I want us to also shift because one of the things I said we were going to talk about is how can you improve your mental health? and dedicate and commit to your mental health because we're going to a new year and I want 2023 to be 
better for you than 2022. Even if 2022 was great, I still want it to be better. If 2022 was trash, I want 2023 to be better. Let's just make it better. So we're we're at the end of the year. It's it's coming. It's knocking on our door. 2023 is like, what's up? I'm almost here. Just banging with both hands. And I want to talk a little bit, and we're going to end on this note because I think it's a little bit more pleasant than some of this heavier stuff. But thank you so much for hanging in there with me. Is let's talk about how can we improve mental health? And you might say, why is it important to improve mental health? Mental health is like the foundation of life. It's the foundation of your quality life. It's going to be a foundation of how much energy you have, how you feel, how you relate to others, how you show up for interpersonal relationships, how you show up for professional things, how you show up for yourself. So it is so important that I want to give you some tools of how we can put you in the best place for success with your mental health. Because when you feel better, you do better. And we're all about having you be better, do better, and live better so that you can be the center of your life and you can have that life that you were created for. So one of the first things I encourage people to do is get a little quiet time and reflect on your purpose. What's brought you joy this year? What has been a challenge this year? What lessons have you learned this year? I know for me, one of the big things for me this year has been sitting thinking about how my purpose is to be a vessel for love, to emanate love, and to put people in the best position to be able to give and receive love. But for me, it's been this this thought process and work around what does serving and living aligned in my purpose look like for this season? And that's been a lot of my years, that and and learning how to reconnect. I was one of those people that was a little skittish, spent a lot of time in my house in COVID, and I'm now looking to be intentional about reconnecting socially again. I'm looking for new ways to be an innovative part of the solution to the workforce issues we have in mental health. There aren't enough of us, and we got to find ways that people – People can get the help they need to have great mental health in ways that aren't all traditional. And I've realized that for me, that's something big for me. I need to be part of that solution. So we talked about having this reflection on purpose, joy, challenges, and lessons. Then I want to encourage you to start thinking about what are some of your upcoming goals? What what do you want for yourself? And to think about personally and professionally, because one of the things that I feel like it's harder as you get older as we become so busy that it's very easy to spend so much time in our professional lives that we neglect our personal lives. And I want you to be able to have work-life integration and to have those things you desire personally because if you don't have those, then all those professional achievements may feel like they fall flat. And we're about connection. Humans are about connections. And I want you to be able to connect personally, not just professionally. So we've talked about thinking about those goals. Now, here's the biggie. If you didn't already think about what your goals are for mental health, I want you to think about those. How do you want to feel? What attitude do you want to have? How much mental and emotional energy do you want? Did you picture it? Can you see it in your mind? Now, I had you think about it. 
feel what you want to feel. Think about those goals. Now I need you to set an intention for your mental health. Being intentional makes a huge difference because I know for a lot of us, especially once you get over 40, if you're not intentional about your health and wellness, how easy is it? There are a handful of people that are naturally slim. Most of us, our metabolism hit a wall in our 40s. And if you are not intentional about having a healthy lifestyle, you will have, as they say, the pressure, the sugar, and weight. Um, So you need to be intentional. It makes a huge difference. I also want you to set an additional intention to prioritize your mental health. So I want you to set an intention in general for your mental health. And I also want you to set an intention specifically to prioritize your mental health. Say it with me. I'm setting the intention to prioritize my mental health. Say it again. I am setting the intention to prioritize my mental health. I need it to sink all the way in. Because just as you deserve a great life, that great life is going to start with a foundation of good mental health and the the way to get good mental health, especially when you're not a little kid and the whole world is controlled by other people, is you have to be intentional about it. So I want you to set that intention that you're going to prioritize your mental health because you freaking deserve it. There's so many things to do. There's always a million things to do. Adulting is hard. Adulting keeps you busy. Your families keep you busy. Your work keeps you busy. Your community responsibilities keep you busy. There's always something to be done. We've already talked about it. You can have these lists of things to do. And no matter what you do, it seems like there's still a million things to do on this list. There's always something to do. So I don't want your mental health to come absolutely last because you're so busy doing everything else. Because your mental health can impact your physical health the level of energy you have, the ability to actually experience life in a way that feels good. So I don't want it to come last. I don't want it to be the redheaded stepchild. I don't want it to be baby in the corner. I want you to bring how you look at and what you do for your mental health to the front. I don't want it in the back. It doesn't need to be in the last pew of the church. We need to be in the front. We need to be by the pulpit. We need to be in the front of the class, not the back of the class. It needs to be in the front because you know what? When you bring it to the front, you actually pay attention to it. What happens when you don't pay attention to it? By the time you notice it and notice it's out of whack, it's janky. I do not want your mental health janky. So we're going to bring it to the front. Now, my last thing, your last bit of homework from this episode is I want you to identify one specific thing that you are going to do for your mental health. One thing. See, you don't have to identify a million, just one. So let me tell you about one thing that I am doing. I'm scheduling my self-care and social time proactively, including scheduling some time off. I'm putting that on the calendar first. My good friend um, and mogul sister, Dr. Jada Moore Ruffin, was like, why don't you put that stuff on your calendar first? So we're going to do that. It's, and I'm literally just blocking off time, you know, time for meditation, time for We call them dates with my besties, so dates with friends. Um, One of the things I also had identified is I would like to actually date again, so I'm putting space on my calendar to go on dates, and it's giving space for me to prioritize my personal life and those things that are going to pour back into me. So as I said, your homework is to identify one specific thing that you're going to do for your mental health and do it. 
So I've had you here long enough just chatting with you, but it felt so good to spend time with you. So thank you, because as I was pouring into you, you were actually pouring into me because I know you're out there. And thanks for trusting me to be all up in your ears and hanging out with me on this bonus episode. So I got a couple of things for you. Number one, thank you for showing up for you. Round of applause. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, Yeah, thanks for showing up for you. I just can't say that enough. I want to send some love out to each and every one of you, no matter what your station is, what you're dealing with. I want you to know that there is someone out here that cares for you. Dr. Erica cares for you. And I want you to remind yourself every day, I'm going to remind you right now, you matter. Your existence on this earth matters. Your human experience matters. Your joy matters. Your love matters. Your pain matters. You matter. I need you to know that. I need you to hear. I need you to just say, I matter. Say it again. I matter. All right. The next thing is, as you know, we are on a break between season three and season four, but I'm going to be dropping bonus episodes. So I need you to subscribe or follow to the podcast so you get notified. Plus, the more you follow and subscribe, the more things I can bring special to you. So please follow and subscribe. The next thing is share. Don't let this podcast be the best kept secret. Share it to everyone you know. Share it to people you don't know. Share it on social media. Share it at the grocery store line. Share it at the at the gate at the airport because everybody is stuck there. Just share it. Let your family know, friends know, everybody know. Don't let this be the best kept secret because I want to do my best to help you and the community just be better, do better, and live better. The last thing is, can you rate or review it, it makes a huge difference. Um, So can you do that for me? Five stars, please. Five stars. And any other reviews are very helpful. So the last thing I want you to do is take your left hand, put it on your right arm, take your right hand, put it on your left arm, give yourself a big squeeze. You deserve it. Unless you're driving, don't do it. Wait till you get home. You deserve some love. You deserve a squeeze. I am sending it all to you. Thank you so much for all of your support of what I do. It means a lot to me. I may not get to speak to all of you personally, but you know, feel free to DM me, send messages. Um, I would love to know what you're thinking, but also please review, <laughs> please review. It means a lot. And that's what I have for you today. Have a wonderful day, a wonderful season. If you're listening to this through the holidays, have a wonderful holidays. If you're listening at some other time, have a wonderful day. You deserve it. You deserve a great life. And I am here to help you get it. So thanks again. This is Better with Dr. Erica and your host, Dr. Erica, sending out love, positive energy, and positive vibes for you. Until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button. Then click share and click rate and review. Now, don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible. But I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better.